Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Pain can poison us. And that's what happened to me. And I became a bitter, angry person. And there was a period of time where I was not a good father or a good husband. And I needed to get rid of that pain in my life. And so with the psalmists, I lamented. And I would cry out to God and I would weep and I would yell and scream and cry um, and say, God, here's my anger and pain because I'm not dealing well with it. I, I, I bring it to you and I would just weep and weep. And um, that proved to be a, a, a healing experience. So I never gave up on God, but I was pretty angry for, for a good chunk of time until I learned how to handle my grief and, uh, and anger. If there's anybody that knows about cancer, it's today's guest. We're joined today by Dan F. Thiessen. In his immediate family of five members, there have been 10 occasions where a doctor has told one of them that they have cancer or that despite the treatments, that the cancer has returned. In spite of all of this, Dan and his family continue to spread joy and continue to live a life filled with hope. We're going to hear their story today on Connections. We're joined today by Dan F. Thiessen. He teaches Bible part-time at Canadian Mennonite University in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Your family has an unbelievable story and it involves uh, cancer, a word that we don't like to hear often, but in your family, you've heard that word more than 10 times. Tell us a little bit about this and your journey and your family's journey with cancer. Well, my family, we do cancer in a big way. There's been 10 different times where a doctor has sat us down and said to one of us, you've got cancer or you have cancer again, or despite the treatments, you've got cancer, your cancer is back. So uh, my wife, Esther, has had breast cancer twice. Uh, Last time was about 16 years ago. There's been no recurrence. So we're grateful for that. I've had multiple rounds of prostate cancer and thyroid cancer, and the doctors tell me I will have both of those uh, for the rest of my life, but they say they'll keep me alive yet for quite a few years mm. with various treatments. Uh, but, you know, all of that pales in comparison to when the medical team sat us down and told us that our three-year-old son had a massive brain tumor. Um, and... Uh, You know, so that set off a round of, well, major surgery, six-hour surgery, uh, radiation treatments, chemotherapy for a year. That was just devastating. Um, A year after that, Tim had a stroke related to the cancer treatments that robbed him. He he already had major physical and mental disabilities. Um, The stroke robbed him of many more of his disabilities, and he went blind. Um, and then, uh, five years after that, the cancer returned and Tim died. So that's, uh, my cancer journey in a nutshell. Who was the first person in your house to be diagnosed? Was it your son or or was it you or your wife? No, no, that Tim was the first, that was sort of the opening, uh, salvo in our, in our cancer journey. What was that like then for the, for your family to hear that cancer bird for the first time? And and for it to be your child? Oh, nothing describes the experience of, uh, of seeing your own child suffering, right? You just want to take it on yourself and just let me be the one to suffer. But of course you can't. So you, 
you have to walk with your child and the endless needles and blood work and the endless procedures and you know to see your child lose his hair and lose his strength and by the end of the year of chemotherapy Tim's nerve endings were so he had such neuropathy damage to the nerve endings that that he could hardly move anymore and he was in such pain that every time we touched him and picked him up he would scream in pain and it rips your heart apart as a parent yeah i'm just this incredible love for your child and you just it rips your heart apart to see him uh, suffer like that how did you get through that difficult time you obviously have a very strong faith i think three factors uh you know i'll talk about faith last but um being married to a wonderful woman mm. and having a strong marriage I, you know and and we walked through it together uh we had an amazing extended family that that supported us in so many ways we had an amazing faith community church community uh brothers and sisters in christ who supported us who helped us with money uh food used to show up on our door as regular as the israelites received manna in the wilderness um people did child care for us gave us rides and then just our basic christian faith um romans 8 there's nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord and uh we chose that as the sermon text for Tim's funeral. It's been mm. a text that uh, has been our companion along the way. As in, I used to be a pastor, Romans 8. I would read that so many times in hospital rooms and beside beds and so much rich stuff in there. Like even yeah. creation groans in, in anticipation, right? For the day yeah. that all's made right. Uh, one thing that stuck out there too, not only the importance of your faith, but faith in community, uh, people showing up and giving you food and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit more about, yeah, the importance of community along in your journey? I, I'm a huge believer that we need God with skin on. Huh. <laughs> that, that uh, yes, we experience God's presence and God's love and grace. It comes to us in many, many different ways. But one of the most important ways it comes to, to us is through other people. Uh, what you do for the least of these, you do for me, Jesus says. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, the, all of those casseroles we got, uh, you know, they nurtured our bodies, but they nurtured our spirits, too, because our brothers and sisters in Christ were secretly stuffing those casseroles full of their love and their prayers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so every card, every hug, every kind word, every phone call, every email, th- th- those are the, 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 the things that God uses to, uh, to, sh- to uh, shower us with grace and love. So uh, I can't say enough about how um, people of faith have, uh, have been so, so important to me and to our family and our in our journey and have been the channels of God's love and grace into our lives. As a Bible teacher, like, I don't know. I understand bad things happen, right? And sometimes we'll go through a season where it's really, really rough, but to go through so many, like, I don't know, was it easy for you to remain clinging to your faith or did you have just moments where you threw your hands up and were like, I don't even know if I believe anymore. All this stuff keeps happening to us. How can there be a God kind of moments or no? 
You know, I never had that. And I think partly because um, shortly before uh, our son Tim was born and all this cancer stuff started, we had lived in the rural Philippines for four years and worked there with Mennonite Central Committee. Um, we'd seen kids die of malnutrition. We had, uh, we had searched for bodies of people who had been killed in the fighting there because they, were, they wanted greater justice in a country that was rife with, with oppression. Um, and, and so we had seen this enormous human suffering and I was under no illusion that God, God should protect the faithful from hardship. Life sucks for a lot of people. Um, but I did get really angry and, and very, very angry at one point, uh, for a number of months. Um, and, and I, and, and part of that was that, that the most helpful thing I ever learned about grief is that we, we experience some kind of major loss. We're injected with this massive dose of pain and that pain can poison us. And that's what happened to me. And I became a bitter, angry person. And there was a period of time where I was not a good father or a good husband. And I needed to get rid of that pain in my life. And so with the psalmists, I lamented. And I would cry out to God and I would weep and I would yell and scream and cry um, and say, God, here's my anger and pain because I'm not dealing well with it. I, I, I bring it to you and I would just weep and weep. And um, that proved to be a, a, a healing experience. So I never gave up on God, but I was pretty angry <laughs> for, for a good chunk of time until I learned how to handle my grief and, uh, and anger. With your family constantly being diagnosed with cancer, your, your family is still filled with all of this joy, with all of this faith. You said you obviously were angry at one point, but now moving forward, how do you just keep this positive outlook on life? Well, I think one goes through different seasons. Um, you know, when, when we were going through that really difficult time, when Tim is in the midst of treatments and things are really, really hard, um, there was not a huge amount of joy then, right? I'm in a very different season of life now. I've done my grief work. I still cry and are sad sometimes that, that Tim died. Um, and, you know, when I had an appointment recently and was told, yeah, your prostate cancer is creeping back and you're going to have to go on treatments. Uh, those are not great days. Uh, but overall, life has so many good things to offer. And uh, so much of it depends who you compare yourself to. You know, I live in a safe and secure environment. I have food every day, a warm house. Look at the poor folks of Ukraine right now. Um, you know, uh, so I try to live with, a, a, I, I try not to live with entitlement that God owes me or life owes me. I try to take each day as a precious gift of God's grace. And I try to not compare myself, but, but I try to stay aware of the hurting places and the hurting people in the world, because then it makes me realize just how fortunate I am in so, so many ways. If you could turn back time and change things, would you or would you leave it the way it is? You know, uh, I, I remember reading uh, what, what people who've, who've lived with severe disabilities, 
say answer to that question. And they say, well, they like who they are and who they've become. They don't wish what they've experienced on anyone. So I don't wish what I've experienced on anyone. I don't want, I don't want to see any parents lose their child. I don't want to see anyone uh, get cancer. At the same time, I recognize that my life is so different. And I think in many ways, my life is a lot, a lot deeper and richer. I think I have a much closer relationship with God, a much deeper appreciation for my faith uh, because of my cancer journey. And so the cancer has done a lot of good things in my life. Do I wish it on anybody else? Absolutely not. Um, do, you know, and if I could, yeah, I wish we would have never had cancer in my family, but of course I don't have a choice about that. Uh, and so I don't, I don't believe for a moment that good things necessarily come from suffering, but I do believe that by the grace of God, good things can happen in our lives as a result of the suffering, but it never justifies the suffering. And I never wish suffering on anyone kind of brings into perspective like all things work together for good right like yeah it's not justified Um, maybe god doesn't cause it to teach us a lesson but if we're able to come to him in our pain and allow him to work in the midst of that he will work in the midst of that yeah and i think that our pain and our suffering present us with choices right and there's been lots of times where I've made bad choices. And I talked about this time in my life when I became very angry and bitter. Um, and we can make those choices. And sometimes we're just so overwhelmed by the pain and sorrow that it's just almost impossible not to make those kind of unhealthy choices. Um, and yet, when we make healthy choices about what we're going to do with our suffering, I think it can do good things in our life. I've certainly become a much more compassionate and sensitive and caring person uh, because of cancer. And um, just recently I've had a couple of friends diagnosed with cancer. And I think that I'm better able to reach out to them and their families uh, because my family's been through that. So I pain and our sorrow, it can, sometimes it's overwhelming and it, and it breaks people. Um, But (laughs) We can also make healthy choices and it can lead to good things happening in our lives. What has been uh, maybe the best thing to come out of all of this then for you? Uh, Yeah. Out of this horrible situations, what's been the best thing that's come out of this? I think I have a more tender heart. Um, because of what uh, there's a, a, you know, I teach Bible, mostly Old Testament. And in a lot of the commandments um, in the Old Testament, where God commands the Israelites to be compassionate, God says to them, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. In other words, remember the suffering that you've experienced and let that suffering make you compassionate. So mm-hmm. do not oppress widows and orphans and the, and the refugees in your midst. You've got to be compassionate because you know what suffering is like. And I think that's been my experience because of the suffering that my family and I have been through. I think I'm more sensitive to the suffering of others and I'm just much more compassionate and um, care more about other folks in the world who are hurting. Uh, One thing that always interests me uh, looking at places like, well, looking at lament in general in scripture, but especially in the Psalms, 
Um, David often will start with lament, but then the lament builds to praise. And so I'm just curious, were you able, yeah, in the midst of your lament, were you able to build to praise often? What was that experience like for you, if so? I'm a huge believer that praise and lament need each other. Yeah. Uh, uh, lament, we need to lament just to be honest about life and to voice our pain and our sorrow and our anguish. anguish. And there's a reason that the majority of the Psalms are lament Psalms. Uh, but if all we do is lament, it becomes too negative and self-absorbed. Um, and our healing comes not from forever gazing into the abyss of our own pain and suffering. Our healing comes from, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, Psalm 121. So we need praise. We need this balance of, uh, of praise and lament. A story about praise when uh, Tim was dying. He was in a coma for the last month of his life. So, and fortunately, most of that time we were able to care for him at home. So one of the things, so Esther and I and other family members, we took turns keeping watch by his bed, waiting for the inevitable. And one of the things I did during that time to pass the time was uh, I, uh, I took out our church hymnal and I sang my way through the hymnal, all the hymns that I knew. And after a while, I noticed something really odd. Uh, it was the hymns of praise that touched me most deeply. You know, I like the trials and tribulation hymns, but the hymns of praise touched me most deeply. And I thought, this is, I'm going crazy. How can I sing hymns of praise while I'm waiting for Tim to die? Years later, I read a statement. The secret of praise is that it connects us to God. Praise connects us with God. And those hymns of praise were doing their work on me, even if I wasn't consciously aware of how they were working on me. Through those hymns of praise, God was surrounding me with God's love and care and comfort. Um, that's what praise does. It's one of the mysteries of praise. I can't explain logically how it works. Praise connects us with God. And that's why even at a Christian funeral, we need to sing the praises of God right alongside our laments. But the praise also needs lament to keep praise honest, because if all we do is praise God in the face of suffering, then our faith becomes airy-fairy. And, oh, great, God is great and good and isn't life wonderful. It's not always wonderful. So praise and lament need each other. Yeah, there's this, like, toxic positivity, right, sometimes. Like, you're not allowed to be set, and that's not biblical at all, right? Really interesting, right. like, two years ago this spring, my wife was in the hospital, and it was not a great situation, and... I really had no idea what was going to happen for a couple of weeks. And I found myself walking through the hospital, unable to quit singing the doxology over and over in my head. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it just ministered to me, right? It was really amazing. Yeah. 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 One thing that you say is that thinking about your death, it still, it still scares you, but the mm-hmm. Bible comes as a gift to you through all of this. What would you say? are some of the passages that have got you through this entire journey? Uh, one, I, I, I'm drawn to those passages that promise us God's presence, uh, even in difficult times. I mentioned Romans 8 earlier. Psalm 46 is another favorite. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should shake, the mountains, uh, you know, tremble in the heart of the seas. Um, you know, and these passages are not naive. They promise us God's presence in the darkest, most difficult times. 
Um, and they're not promises that God will spare us from suffering, but they're promises that God will walk with us. Um, and, and, you know, the, the biblical promise that God is with us in this life and God is with us in the next. And, uh, um, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the confidence that if I die, and of course I will die, we will all die someday. I will die in Christ. Uh, I will die surrounded by people of faith. Um, and so though that's been a really important sort of theme in, in my journey. These promise, these biblical promises of God's presence with us, even, uh, during the difficult times of life. For a listener that may be out there that has either recently been diagnosed with cancer or is going through some other difficult time right now and is struggling, what would you say to them? Uh, claim the Bible's promises. Um, claim these Bible's promises of God's presence. And um, uh, pray, speak to God, and God is big enough to uh, to take on whatever you're feeling um god is big enough to take on your fear your anxiety god's big enough to handle your anger and if you're really angry at life and angry at god um rage against god and rage you know god's big enough and tough enough to handle um to handle all of that um and i think another thing i would uh you know, you know, there's a passage in Jeremiah where Jeremiah is writing in the prophet Jeremiah is writing a letter to a group of exiles in Babylon who, who they don't want to be in Babylon. They don't want to unpack their suitcases because they think God's going to liberate them and bring them home soon. And Jeremiah says, wait a minute, you got to unpack your suitcases, uh, mm-hmm. build your homes, plant your gardens, uh, raise families, seek the welfare of the community. Um, in other words, get on with daily tasks of life. Don't forget to do those ordinary, ordinary tasks that just keep life going, that keep you fed and clothed. And um, that, that it's kind of a sacred calling from God to carry on with those tasks. That even in the face of cancer, carry on with daily tasks. It gives you a sense of structure and order in life, gives you something to do. Uh, and it, keeps the cancer from taking over your life. Um, you're more than your cancer. You're more than your trials and tribulations. Um, but on the other hand, don't deny either. Don't deny what you're going through. Uh, and, uh, and be honest about, uh, about the struggle and, uh, and the pain. And sometimes we just have to carry on day by day. If we're not going through this and we can't understand what someone like yourself is going through, like your family is going through, how can we support those hmm. people or pray for them? Um, I mean, I, I think it just comes down to basic Christian kindness. I mean, even though, you know, somebody else doesn't have cancer, they can have a sense of what it's like to get cancer. I mean, we have imaginations, right? We can, uh, we can imagine what it's like. Uh, we, we've, we've seen enough grief and loss. We can imagine what it's like when somebody loses a life partner they've been married to for 40, 50 years. Or when um, uh, children lose a parent to cancer or a car crash or something like that. Uh, we are a, even though we don't know what that feels like because we haven't been through it, we can empathize. We have some sense of what that's like. 
uh, be kind. Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, bring food, send cards, send texts, give hugs. Um, ask yourself what you would appreciate in that in that kind of a moment. And remember, you, you know, if, if you're a person of faith, if you're a Christian, you're being kind, but you're also God with skin on to folks like that. You may be the channel of, you may, you are, you will be the channel of God's love and grace uh, into their life, the embodiment of Jesus Christ for them. I could talk to you for hours on this, Dan. Thank you so much. You've given us uh, great insight and so much to think about and encourage us. So thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. My pleasure. I'm grateful to have this opportunity. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.